Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. How many are enjoying our winter collective? I, uh, I, I must admit that I kind of see this slide up here, and I think there should be some sort of, I don't know, like a, um, some sort of model man that's you know, got some sort of autumn colory sort of clothes on or something like that, walking off into the distance. Anyway, sorry. Um, a winter collective. <laughs> bring it back, bring it back. A winter collective. Um, you know, last week, if you were here with us, Naomi uh, sharing about restoring our lives. So cool, eh? You know, just so, and, and probably like me, uh, you've been stirred as you've just thought about that this week. You know, how is it that my life can be telling a kingdom story? What is the restoring that God wants to do in and through me so that we may tell one of those great stories of the kingdom of God advancing and moving forward and, and sharing, you know, that love of Christ into, uh, into everywhere that we go? Um, and, uh, you know, we, we are, we're really enjoying uh, doing this. Of course, if you were away last week, uh, then you can catch up, you know, listen to the podcast. You can join and watch online. Uh, they're on our YouTube channel and all, all of that sort of thing. But it's a great opportunity for us just to hear some different voices. And I know that you're going to be able to cope with this next part because you're an intelligent bunch. What I'm going to do today is I want to start a, a, a series, a three-week series uh, called Jesus Is, looking at some of the I am statements that we find in John's gospel. So I'm going to start that today, and then in a few weeks' time, I'm going to do the second and third week because next week and the week after, Simeon Hawkins is also going to do a mini-series, a different mini-series uh, within this Winter Collective. And he's going to be talking about the big story of God. And I know that many of you will cast your mind back to earlier in the year when Simeon was speaking about why we follow Jesus. And so I know that you're going to love hearing uh, him, him speak about that. And I know that you're an intelligent bunch, so you can cope with the mini-series within the mini-series within the Winter Collective. <laughs> All right? <laughs> So before I uh, kind of jump into this, um, this Jesus is thing, let's just pray. And uh, let's really ask just the Holy Spirit just to come and speak into our hearts to enliven something fresh of his word to us. So God, we just, we just pause, you know. We thank you, you know, we thank you for the opportunity of being able to gather and worship and appreciate your presence, Lord God. And Father, as we, as we open up your word afresh now, just over these next few minutes, God, I pray that you'd speak to every single one of us. Whether it be new information or not, we pray that there will be something fresh of your spirit, something of the depth that you would call us into because of the magnificence of your word, Lord God. So come now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. A few weeks ago when we were uh, launching into our um, Life in the Vine series, 
Uh, you might remember that we started off, I started off in John 15, talking about abiding in the vine, this life in the vine. And uh, at the start of that uh, 15th chapter of, of John, he, he, he uses this statement, I am the true vine. And just as we were, as I was, uh, preparing for that series, it just it got me thinking about these I am statements that we find in John's gospel. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, uh, John is the fourth book in the Bible. It's one of the Gospels. It's a little bit different to the other Gospels, uh, but it's a powerful story uh, about who Jesus is. And, uh, and, and as I was preparing for I was just I was reminded about these I am statements, these seven I am statements that Jesus makes throughout the Gospel of John. And, and I, was just, I just thought that it would be great for us to to spend some time focusing on these statements because they are, because they're powerful, because they're significant, and, and because they shape, they shape so much actually of who we see Jesus being, and therefore the invitation that we have into the life that Jesus is offering for us to walk in. And I know it seems like a somewhat of a simplistic sort of statement, but it's just so true that as Christians, and to be honest, I don't assume that everyone in the room here is a Christian. If you're watching with us online, I don't assume that you're a Christian, that you've made that decision to have you know, Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, as you walk towards Him. I'm not assuming that that's everyone in the room, but if you are a Christian here this morning, or whenever you're watching this, it's important that we, that we know who Jesus is, right? I know that's a simplistic statement. However, if you're anything like me, the, the depth and the significance of who Jesus is is actually an unfolding story in my own life, you know? And I'm sure for many of us, just as we continue to discover more and more of who Jesus is, it actually frames so much of the life that we are invited into. And so therefore, it's important for us to know who Jesus is. Who is it that he's claiming to be? Who, what are these sort of these statements? What, what is it that Jesus stood for? What shaped his life? And therefore, what is the invitation for us to step into? Make sense? So within John's gospel, there are these seven statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Just uh, in John 15, like I just referred to a second ago. Each in their own right is a significant statement about who Jesus is. But before I just sort of jump into one in particular of these statements that I want to kind of draw us into and focus us into this morning, one of, the, one of the key reasons why these statements pack a bit more of a punch than we may realize on the first sort of reading of them is the first two words that Jesus uses in each of those statements, I am. Exodus 3. All right. Just let's just have a little bit of backstory, so we can we can kind of pick up on the significance of what Jesus is saying here. Exodus three, pretty near the beginning. Again, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, right near the beginning of the Bible in the Old Testament, the part of the the part of the Bible that's written before Jesus was living and walking on the earth. Uh, 
you know, we read about this crazy story of this burning bush in Moses, right? So long story short, okay, I'm not going to get into all the details of it, but God gets Moses' attention in quite an eye-catching way by having this bush that's burning but not burning up. And like, you know, if you saw that, you'd think, what? What's going on here? Moses goes over to the bush and God speaks to Moses in that moment. And it's a really significant interchange that Moses and God have. He says this in Exodus 3 and verse 10. He's speaking about recognizing the oppression that the Israelites, Moses' people, are suffering in in Egypt. And God's invitation to Moses to actually say, hey man, you are going to help lead these people out of this oppression. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh. Bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Verse 13, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you, sent me to you. This is actually the only place in Scripture where this full term of I am who I am is actually written down. It was so precious to the Israelites. It was so holy that they didn't want to misrepresent God. And Hebrew translation, you know, Yahweh. They didn't want to misrepresent this personal, precious God. So it is the only place in Scripture that we see this full name of God actually written down and referred to. Yahweh, he becomes this, this personal God, this God who was, who is, and who is to come, the self-existent one, the one who is with you. I am who I am. And so then when we fast forward into the life of Jesus, and he starts to use this sort of language. <laughs> he starts to use this sort of language about him. You can understand why the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, they got their heckles up. What the blazes? What are you? Cla- I, I, how dare you proclaim that you are I am? They have one of these interchanges in, in John 8. And they say, you are not yet talking to Jesus. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him. And you have seen Abraham? Then he makes this most outlandish statement to the Pharisees. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. He was being very clear about who he was claiming to be. He was claiming to be in the flesh, this I am God that they all recognized. So, well, they recognized the name, not necessarily the reality just yet. (laughs) So the reaction that he gets in that little moment is not surprising at all. Uh, Verse 59 of John 8. At this, they picked up the stones to stone him. 
But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. The guy is claiming to be God, and not just any God, but Yahweh. And so all that to kind of say, you know, when we read these statements in the Gospel of John, these I am statements, you know, there is more to it than maybe we just first, on first reading, you know, they do pack more of a punch. All right. So you're ready to find out which one we want to look at? Ooh. Been wondering what's been behind here. How many reckon they've worked it out? <laughs> if you were here practicing before the service, Amira, that doesn't count, all right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's like... John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Now, not only... Is this I am part of the statement really significant and familiar to the Israelites, the Jews who are are hearing uh, Jesus say this? This whole idea of light is also significant to them. So um, John 7 tells us that, or reveals that when Jesus is saying this to the Jews, it's during the Feast of Tabernacles, a five day feast that the Jews had. And part of what happened within that, uh, within that feast is that they would light candles uh, within the temple courts and I think other places around the city as well. And they would, it would be a reminder of the light that they were to be uh, to the world around them and, of course, the light that God was uh, to them. So as Jesus is talking about this, saying, I am the light of the world, it's in reference to you know, this, this, this picture of light that's going on around them. But even, even more than that, they, they get it. They know the stories of what the light is all about. So, for example, back in the, in the uh, exiting out from Exodus, exiting and going towards the promised land, they have this pillar of fire at night that leads them along, and it becomes, you know, very symbolic and meaningful of the light of God that He will lead you forward. The Israelites would have learnt songs like that we find within the Psalms. The Lord, Lord is my light. Might have been a different tune. And my salvation... Whom shall I be afraid? You know, they, they would be singing these songs. Uh, uh, Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet. Good. What's that? Amy, Amy Grant? Yeah. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto. You know, they're, they're, they're showing my age. I had to YouTube it. I had to Google it. Does that count? Thanks. That's my wife's contribution, by the way. Showing my age. You know, they, they, they would have actually grown up singing songs like that because they recognized, they knew that God was their light. Uh, Proverbs 6 verse 23, For this command is a lamp 
This teaching is a light, and correction and instruction are the way to life. Or passages like Isaiah 42, 6 through 9. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will, I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the gent- for the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Donald Carson, he says this, in the context of such powerful ritual, Jesus' declaration must have come with stunning force. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That is, the light that produces life. You know, coming into this New Testament context with John's gospel, and the, you know, the beautiful beginning In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 4, in Him was the life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In Him is life, and that light is the light of all people. Jesus is the light of the world. So into this, into this background, into this setting, into this ritual, into this understanding, Jesus is standing and saying this thing, I am the light of the world. I hold life. And of course, you know, uh, you know the Pharisees are like, what the heck? Verse 25, who are you? <laughs> That's kind of where they, where they come down to, like, hang on, hold up. Who even are you? And Jesus responds to them, just what I've been claiming all along. You know, no big deal. Just the light of the world. The one who came to push darkness back. The one who forgives, the one who heals, the one who wants to come and see the broken and the enslaved, the one who frees, the one who restores, the one who is Perfect love, you know, just the light of the world. (laughs) And of course, within this statement, there is this beautiful invitation for us. You know, to, to embrace this light for ourselves. To embrace the life that Jesus offers Out of the darkness of our own sin, out of the darkness of misdirection or a lack of purpose or meaning, a lack of hope, the darkness of confusion, the darkness that we never quite measure up, the darkness of a lack of of hope or whatever that darkness might look like for you and me, the invitation of Christ is that we can come out of that darkness and come into the light. In like as I said a little bit a little bit ago, you know, I'm not assuming that everybody here is a Christian. You know, this is for you as well. And I, I, I unashamedly hope that that is an inviting thing 
for you to step towards. That part of the heartbeat of who we are at Coast Vineyard Church is that we would actually help to lead people towards that light, for you to be able to embrace that light for yourself. The light of life. And after we have embraced that light for ourselves, then in turn, of course, to help to be a carrier of that light to others, to help discover uh, the same light that we have discovered for ourselves to help shine it and show it to others, um, to reflect that light. You know, we've had a great example of uh, reflection uh, lately, uh, about a week and a half ago, you know, the supermoon uh, that, I don't know, did anyone kind of get up? What, what time was it? 11, 11? 11.30, whatever the perfect time was to be able to see, see this reflection of the sun in a very special and unique way. And so the moon reflects the sun, so we would be wanting to reflect the love, the life, the light of Christ into our world around us, right? And I just get that, you know, sometimes that can be a bit intimidating, you know, especially in our, in our, our current um, state of culture and society and so forth, as it, as it seems that more and more, as, as we go along more and more, we're, we're seeming to orientate ourselves not around God. We, we, we kind of refer to it as like a post-Christian culture uh, that we're either in or walking towards very quickly. And I know that the, the temptation, if I can just use this, is, is sometimes for us to just sort of cover up a bit. It's not that we don't know that light for ourselves, and it's not that we, we don't want it. It's just when it comes to shining it to other people, it can be a bit intimidating. It can be a bit scary. I get it, you know? I think part of my, um, my encouragement to us this morning is that you just continue to take the covers off. Just like, just be courageous enough to, to do that in your own way. And of course, as the, as the darkness gets darker, maybe if we could lower the light. Ooh, Jaden, nice. As the darkness gets darker, the light becomes more obvious, doesn't it? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light, uh, sorry, people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father. In heaven. If there was one thing that I wanted you to sort of remember or sort of take away from this morning, it is that idea of being a carrier of light. Be a light carrier, to carry this light of Christ into your world, to carry it simply to reflect the love of Christ. You know, it means being loving and kind and compassionate and honest. 
and bold and courageous and generous. To speak up for the vulnerable, to care for those who have been forgotten, carrying Christ wherever you go. And of course, when it's not just an individual light, right? You know, if you get out your phones, I can see some of the youth have already prepared. Thank you, team. I appreciate that. If you get out your phones and you, you know, you're shining your little light, oh, look at that, look at that. <laughs> you know, there is, a, there is a community of light that happens as we all do it, right? <laughs> okay, that's cool. We can bring the lights back up. <laughs> Dramatic moment over. <laughs> Just as we sort of, um, you know, draw, it's a bit disappointing now, isn't it? Just before we sort of draw to a close just slowly this morning. You've heard of life hacks, right? Uh, well, I want to give you some light hacks <laughs> this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the corniness continues. <laughs> Three light hacks to be able to shine your light well. What is, what is important if we are to be light carriers, if we are to carry the light of Christ into our world? You know, how, how, can we, how can we do that well? Firstly, they, they, it's pretty simple stuff. One of them is a bit out there, but it's pretty simple stuff. The first one is just keep coming back to the light. Keep coming back to the light. The best thing, the biggest thing, the most important thing that you can do, if you want to shine the light of Christ into your world around you, you have to keep coming back to the light. You have to keep coming back to the source of light, to, in, in, to invite that light of life into your own life. You know, over these last few weeks and months, we've been talking a lot about setting up patterns and, and routines and things in our lives that would just help to orientate our life back towards Christ. That's, that's all I'm talking about here. Just creating a regular rhythm for you. Doing stuff like this. You know, gathering together with others, worshiping together, uh, getting along to a life group or a small group, uh, a bunch of people who are around you who are going to stir you, stir you in your faith, encourage you on your journey, encourage you to keep coming back to that source of light, keep coming back to the light. The second one, this one's a little bit out there, but I, I, hope, you, I hope you get this. Be awesome, humbly. <laughs> We're, uh, we've got an eight-year-old, uh, just turned eight a couple of days ago, and um, she loves um, board games, card games, and as every parent, actually not even just a parent, you know, an uncle, an aunt, uh, whatever, you know, teach, trying to teach a young person how to lose well, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about, but also how to win well. She's actually quite good, and she often wins, and... You need to not rub that in your sister's face. <laughs> right? No one likes a Skype. <laughs> and not so much in competition to others, but I want to encourage you to be awesome and to be awesome humbly. You know, to, one of the ways that we shine our light into the world around us is to, is to actually do things well. You know, to be a good example to those who are around us, uh, Naomi, last week, as she was talking about this whole restoring idea, she used the example of if you're a carpenter, make beautiful tables. Just ask for God's creative uh, beauty to come through you as you go about your daily life. 
Be awesome. Humbly. <laughs> if you're a builder, an architect, a teacher, a plumber, a bank manager, a business owner, an accountant, a doctor, a nurse, etc., 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 if you're studying at school, if you're in a sports team or you have a particular hobby, you know, wherever you find yourself, uh, Bill, Bill Johnson um, from Bethel Church, he, he coined this really helpful phrase, uh, the currency of influence. And just, he was just simply making the point that within every sphere of our society, every sphere of our, of our worlds, there is a currency of influence that is there. So for example, in your workplace, in your school, there will be things that earn the trust of those who are around you that are probably unique in some ways uh, to that environment. Uh, many of you know I love to uh, enjoy cycling, and it happens all the time. The guys who are fit and strong actually end up having more influence over the group that they're riding with. They get looked up to. There is a, there is a trust that's established. Oh, okay, well, you know, this, this person's you know, quick. I can listen to them. You know, it's, it's flawed thinking in some ways, <laughs> but there is this currency of influence. So wherever you find yourself, be awesome. Do it, with, do it for the glory of God. Do it, do it at your very utmost. If you're an employee or a boss, be a great employee. Be a great boss. Something in shining your light of Christ is actually in doing well within. Now, there is, there is a balance to this, okay? And I want to be careful here because what I, w- I don't want to tip over into is the notion or idea that if I work harder, if I um, turn up early, go home late, uh, God will love me more and I will be a better Christian, okay? Please don't make that jump in your own head or heart because that's not reality. That's not what I'm talking about. You need to live with wisdom in every sphere of your life. And God will not love you any more or less. All I'm just pointing out is that there is a trust that's established with those around you. And within your own spheres, you know, that whole shining your light in your own worlds, you know, you can, you can access um, uh, influence that nobody else can. Be awesome, humbly. All right? Keep coming back to the light, be awesome humbly, and then just finally, you know, look to where that light is shining. And, and, and really, this is just being about, just being mindful of what the Holy Spirit is uh, lighting up to you, showing you, just, just being aware. It's kind of like noticing what you notice. Just look for the activity of the Holy Spirit. I, I often find it's, uh, it's an interruption. It's somewhat of an annoyance. <laughs> you know, it's that, it's that colleague that comes along and says, oh, have you got a moment for a chat? It's that child that just has the, the, the genuine question at the most inopportune moment. I want you to go to sleep. <laughs> but Dad... It's just looking for the activity of the Holy Spirit. And when you see that, sense the invitation and step out with courage. 
with boldness, with love, with kindness. Ask those, those meaningful leading questions. Like, man, that sounds really tough. Is there anything I can do to help? Would you, would you mind if I prayed for you? Don't want to be weird about it, but I'm a Christian, and do you mind if we just prayed for a second? Would that be all right? Look for those opportunities. Be invitational um, about them. When we all do this, there is just the most beautiful, light-giving community that's established. People are drawn to light. There's plenty of darkness in our world. We want to carry the light of Christ. Individually and collectively. Jesus is the light of the world. <laughs> now, we could, honestly, we could talk about this for ages. I, I, won't, I won't keep you. But I did just want to, I really just wanted to, um, to give some space to pray for some people. Um, so, yeah, Joshua and the band, could you guys come and join me? That would be wonderful. We might sing this little light of mine. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I just wanted to um, I just wanted to give space to pray for people, and, the, and you know you might have come here this morning with something in particular that you really wanted people to stand with you in to pray over you. And you're you're always welcome to uh, to come. Just make yourself known. Generally, that that works by kind of coming up the front, and uh, some people will come and pray for you. It doesn't have to be up the front. You can tap the person that you came to church with. Uh, tap anyone around you. Everyone gets to play uh, just to pray for you, and that will be good. But the, but just in particular. I, I, I wanted to pray and give opportunity for, you know, if you're here and you recognize that you're being drawn towards the light of Christ, but you've never actually put that stake in the ground for yourself to say, that's where I'm going. That's the light that I want to embrace into my life. It's this repentance thing, this turning away from our own sin, our own mistakes, our own misgivings, our own darkness, to turn towards the light. And I want to acknowledge that you may well be here this morning wanting, needing, or having just done that. You know, like I said a moment ago, Coast Vineyard, our heartbeat is to allow people to, to meet Jesus for themselves. And so we would love, I'd love to just have an opportunity of acknowledgement of that being you. Now, the reality here is that probably it's not just a magic moment now. It's not just a, a, a quick prayer and then, yep, cool, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. That's not what it's about. You will recognize that God have been, would have been a work in your heart, would have been a work in your life. Maybe you've been coming along here for a few weeks. Maybe you've had a friend that you're like really intrigued about this God thing that they keep either talking about or you learn about. Maybe when you came in this morning and you saw people around you singing like they were singing to someone personal, someone that, that they knew. Well, that's the reality of the Jesus that we serve and know and love. 
and we'd love to invite you into that relationship with God. Like I say, it's not a magic, a magic prayer, but it is a point of decision. It is a stake in the ground to say, you know what? I'm making a step forward to walk towards that light, to embrace that light in my life. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all worked out but just a step towards Jesus. So I'd love to actually, if that is you, I'd love to be able to just help lead you through a simple prayer to to start that process. I'd love to pray for you. But the other, and we'll do that in a moment, but the other group of people is, and again, we need an honesty moment, all right? Because this is not about shame or condemnation, but I'd love to pray for you if you feel like your light has dimmed. You love Jesus. Shouldn't put that so far away. You love Jesus, but you just you just recognize that you're just kind of keeping it to yourself a little bit. Maybe, I don't know, maybe in the past you just felt like you're on fire for God. You just talk about him all the time, but you know, stuff happens, life happens, and you just recognize for yourself that it's just got a bit dim. And like I say, this is not condemnation. This is not to make you feel bad. But it is a chance and an opportunity just to recognize the invitation of God to shine that light once again. I'd love to pray for you. We would love to pray for you. We'd love to stoke the flame that's in your life so that you may be able to shine bright again. Cool? Many of us, all of us, would have been in that situation at some point, if not this week. It's not about one or two, it'll be about many. Before I invite you to, uh, to come and respond, we uh, sing and so forth, let's just pray for anybody that's here who wants to make that step of decision and wants to embrace Jesus for themselves, to walk towards the light. So what we're going to do is just, if I could ask everyone just to bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm just doing that so that you're not distracted and you just have a, a, a chance of an honest moment of reflection. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you just to simply put up your hand in a second. And by putting up your hand, you're just simply acknowledging, yep, that's me. I recognize that I need to walk towards that light. I want to embrace God for myself. Maybe in the years gone past, you've done that, but you recognize if you're honest with me, you'd say, Stanley, I'm not walking with Jesus at the moment, but I desperately want to. I sense his invitation. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. I'll see it, acknowledge it, you can put it back down, and then I'll lead you through a simple prayer. Okay? So would you just lift up your hand just wherever you're sitting? If that's you, just pop up your hand just high enough, long enough so I can see it. Acknowledge it. And then we'll pray. There's no pressure on this moment. No one's going to feel bad if no one puts up their hand. But if you sense that invitation from God on your heart, would you just slip up your hands wherever you sit in? at home watching us and you want to make that decision we'd love you to get in touch with us jump on the website flick us a message we'd love to pray with you as well
Well, thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or, of course, we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Aurewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.